Awesome. Good morning, church. Excited to worship with you this morning. My name is Tyler Womble. I'm the student pastor here at Apex. Um, I love this church. I love my job. I mean, it's so uh, encouraging to get to partner alongside all of you in in raising this next generation uh, for Jesus. Uh, Two quick shout outs. At nine o'clock, we had uh, two baptisms. There was a class of 2031 future grad and 2034 future grads. Good reminder of why we do what we do. If those numbers scare you, they scare me too. It's okay. We can be scared together. Uh, And second quick shout out is at the nine, we also had a couple of our very own students uh, who were part of the 4A uh, state championship softball team up here. And so I wanted to celebrate them as well. It was awesome. What I I told them is I'm proud of them. I'm more proud of how they carry themselves on and off the field, um, putting Christ first in their lives. So man, it's just a privilege to get to uh, do ministry here, both with uh, zero to all the way up to college age folks. Um, Really today, uh, the purpose of today is really to bookend a couple milestones that we have with the next generation. Uh, a A couple months ago, we did the first milestone and that is family commissioning. And we had uh, several families, a lot of families come up here. I was one of them, I got to bring up my little uh, six-month-old Aubrey, and we stood on the stage and we commissioned them and said, together alongside of our church family, we are committing to raise our children to know Jesus and to make Jesus known to others. And so today, we're kind of on that exact opposite uh, milestone where uh, we've known this class for, for 18 years. We've watched them grow. We've equipped them. Um, we've seen their giftings grow. And now we get to send them. We get to commission them on their next step with Jesus. For some of them, that means enlisting in the military. For some of them, that means heading into the job force. For others, it means uh, school, both near or far. But in any case, we are so excited to say, hey, look at what God is doing. Look at what he has equipped you with. And so at the end of service during uh, our final song, we'll have the opportunity for the seniors to come up with their families and to pray over them and send them well. And I'm excited that I'm a part of a church that wants to do that very thing. So class of 2023, uh, this is for you, but I think this is also for all of us this morning. We'll be in Matthew 13, if you would like to turn there. Matthew 13, 44 uh, to 46. As you turn there, walking with Jesus, grads, this is probably not a shocker to you, but it can be kind of difficult sometimes, particularly when you've been somewhere for a long time and you have tethered your faith, your walk with Jesus to good things, family, a church, friends, maybe a pastor or a spiritual mentor. And in this next season, there will be a lot of untethering from those pillars of your faith. You're going to have some doubts. You're going to ask some questions as your faith becomes your own. And so one thing I want to tackle this morning for all of us is this. This would be the title of the sermon, if you're a note taker, and it is Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus is worthy of our worship. I think that's for all of us, and we'll see that in the passage uh, this morning. So if you would stand with me, and we're going to read, uh, I'll read God's word for us. So this is God's word and it's true. And it says in Matthew 13, 44 through 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. You may be seated. So these are two powerful parables and they're 
right in the midst of a bunch of stories that Jesus is preaching in Matthew 13. He's actually preaching from a boat because so many people came to the shores to hear him that to, to get some, some natural auditive amplification, uh, he got in the boat and was preaching to all of them. Some had come because they had heard the, servant, the sermon on the mount and they've gone, wait a second, this is a teacher like I've never heard before. He's got more to say than, than all these other guys who have told me that they figured it out. Or maybe they were there on the shore that day because they had witnessed one of the many miracles that Jesus had performed. And they've said, wait, wait a second, this is not just a teacher. There's, there's power behind this guy. Could he be a prophet of old? Could there be something to him? Could God have gifted him something unique? Or maybe they just heard from a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, hey, there's this guy and you gotta go hear him. And I don't know who he is or what his deal is, but there is something about this Jesus. That question has echoed through history from that day onward, and I would say that its sound waves reverberate even in this room today. Who is this Jesus? Is he worthy to be followed? Is he worthy to be taken seriously? Is he worthy to be worshiped? And if he is, what does it look like to worship him? You see, I think our worship culture has become so distorted and worship is making much of something, putting influence or impact into something for your own life. And I think worship has become so distorted because our worship typically turns towards fame, comfort, security, popularity, uh, success in business or successful family, uh, and, and all of these other areas. And sadly, the place we turn most in worship is to ourselves. We worship ourselves. We wouldn't say that out loud, but we do it by what we think. We say, well, if I feel this, I'm gonna believe it. If I want that, I'm going to take it. If I deserve it, then I must need it, and then I should deserve it even more, and then I should go get more and more and more. And so what we do is we cast the weight of worship upon our own shoulders. In class of 2023, our shoulders cannot carry that weight of worship. They weren't created to do that. There's only one place that we can go for worship that, will, that knows what we need, that loves us unconditionally, and that is the shoulders of Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for our sin and loves us and conquered death and one day is coming back to restore his kingdom. That's where our worship should go. The world will say, turn it to other places, but that's where it needs to go because Jesus is worthy of our worship. Our verses tell the story of two men, one who stumbles upon a treasure and the other one who's looking for a bunch of expensive pearls or jewels and finds one pearl that is worth all the rest of them combined. And both are willing to give everything they possessed for these two things. I don't think that really hits us like it would have hit uh, the people listening to this with Jesus the first time. And it's because we've, we've grown up in National Treasure era where we've watched Nicolas Cage open up a treasure room filled to the brim with all kinds of gold and artifacts. And also it doesn't hit us because wealth and what we need is now digital. It's swipeable. Or if you have a working card, unlike me, it's tappable. Mine does not. I saw off the insert or swipe. Anyway, Wealth is not measured in this way, but back in the day when they were saying they found a treasure or a pearl, this was something immeasurable, something priceless, something that they needed to do anything they could to get it. Back in this day and age, if there was no saves, there was no uh, savings accounts, there was no NFTs, 
uh, no crypto, there was none of that. What there was is if you had something that you didn't want others to have, you buried it. You buried your inheritance. You buried the thing that was forged by your great, great uncle that you have now received. If you had something of value you didn't want it to lose, you hid it in a field where only you knew where it was. The reality was somebody was always trying to conquer you. If you've read the Old Testament, you've seen that. Over and over, the, the Philistines or the Persians, the Babylonians were at the front gate. And so to, to save that thing that was worth it, oftentimes it was buried. And then maybe that person passes away or it's forgotten where it was. So this, this occurred a lot more often than it does. As much as I wish like little archaeologist Tyler could go dig in his backyard as a five-year-old, this happened a lot more than when he tried to do it when he was young. And as for pearls, a lot of times, like we're talking one pearl, not even a necklace. But at this time, day and age, there was no way to manufacture artificially pearls. There was no breathing tanks. If you wanted a pearl, it was costly, it took a lot of time, and it was dangerous to go diving for these very things. And so in them, we find a treasure immeasurable and priceless that they would want to protect with everything that they had. What is Jesus getting at here? Why is he telling us this story about two treasures? He is saying that the kingdom of God is worth all that we have. The rule of Jesus now and forever, us laying down our allegiance to ourselves and saying, King Jesus, I pledge myself to you. It is your kingdom. I was an enemy. I didn't deserve to be in the gates and you invited me to your table. And now I get to live for you. That is worth all that I have. That's what Paul came to believe too. Paul, who, who killed Christians, who worshiped, God in a way that he thought was right, but really it was about himself. He writes this in Philippians 3, 8. He says, Indeed, I count everything, not some things, most things, everything but my treasured possessions. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So if Jesus is worthy, what should our response of worship be? What should that look like for me, for you, for the class of 2023 to worship Jesus? Three quick takeaways. Number one, Jesus is worthy of our heart and our hands. Jesus is worthy of our heart and our hands. If there's a treasure worth selling everything for, he deserves all of us. And if we can be a little introspective, I think a lot of times we have gotten really good at discount shopping our worship. Here's what I mean by that. I got nothing against being a good steward. Man, listen, coupon, do whatever you need to do. TJ Maxx, like their stock goes up at the end of the month when me and Amy get paid. I get it. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is so often our worship extends to only what is required. Well, if I get that, if Jesus is offering this freely, okay, like I'll give what I have to give, but if I can get it there, why, why extend more even if it is worth the cost? Far too often, I'm ready to give Jesus some of my heart or some of my hands, but if this treasure is worth everything I possess, I'm the one losing out. I'm the one not getting what it is worth when I only pay what I feel like I have to. So because of that, we can kind of fall into two categories. We can worship God with our heart, but not our hands, or our hands, but not our heart. I'm not talking about the Wizard of Oz. Hang with me. Hang with me right here. Let's, let's go over these two. So first, all heart and no hands. I use the illustration of a sports fan because that's one of the most common worshipers. We don't use that term, but that's what they are. Um, I fall into that category with some teams. 
So your typical sports team worshiper who is all heart and no hands, I describe like this. They would watch all the highlights. They would listen to all the podcasts. They'd know all the stats. They'd know what contract is expiring, what prospect the team is looking for. And on the outside, they would look like a super fan. But publicly, you would have no idea that they care at all. You see, they are all heart, but there is nothing active, nothing public. Their worship is private. Now, what kind of a fan would we say that is? Probably not a very good one, at least not a true one. But let's overlay that with worshiping Jesus. Is that how we treat Jesus? Is that how we worship Jesus? Do we soak in all the things? We listen to all the pastors. Caleb stays on the radio 24-7, but we've never worked out our salvation and worship with our hands. This last season in the midst of COVID and all the things, I think it's been really easy to, to miss worshiping God with our hands because the cost is honestly asked less of us. Hey, you don't have to attend every week. You don't have to serve every week. And look, I'm not making this legalistic. We're not trying to be Pharisees here and only worship God with our hands. But when the only worship God receives from us is private, it's convenient, and it's not active, and our coworkers and our family doesn't know that we worship God with all that we have, we've given everything from him, then what we're paying is discount worship. That's what we're receiving, at least. The reality is, it is a costly treasure because Jesus saw us as costly treasures and he loved us with his hands because he hung by them. He didn't just love us privately. He didn't just care about us, teach us privately. No, he, he died. He displayed his love for us. And so we get to display in worship, raising my hand and saying, God, you are the same God. Amen. Don't miss that piece, grads. Don't worship God with just your hearts, but not your hands. All right, flip side. We can fall into the pitfall of all hands, worshiping God with, all, with our hands or the outside of us, but not our hearts. So again, let's use the fan example. This fan has all the gear signed by all the teams, multiple hats. They post and repost everything this team provides. And they want to look like they are not only a fan of a, the team, but a part of the team. However, they, their heart doesn't belong to the team. It's all superficial. It's all on the outside. They look like a super fan, but their heart could care less about this team. It would be like somebody wearing a jersey every single day for a team that they didn't know the quarterback's name. What kind of a fan is that? We would say again, not a true one, not a real one, but is that how we worship Jesus? You do all the things, you serve at all the stuff, your hands are always busy doing the ministries of God. You buy all the Christian culture swag, um, you, your social media glistens, your hashtag holy all the time, and yet your heart has not been given over to Jesus. You've paid the bare minimum just on the outside. There's no depth to what this treasure is that you have paid to receive. This cost is simply an outward one, and Jesus is worth more because while he hung on his hands on that cross, he did it because his heart was for you. He did it because his heart was for me. He loved us. That's what kept him on that cross was his heart and his hands. And he has given those for us in order to give us a beautiful treasure. The reality is we can't pay for this treasure. Jesus is who paid for it. He is both, but he's also the giver of this treasure for us. So 
First question today, where, where do you give, need to give Jesus worship more? A little more from your hands or a little more from your heart? Point number two, Jesus is, worth, or is worthy of more than half-hearted worship. Jesus is worthy of more than half-hearted worship. Look back at verse 44 with me. After the man uh, finds the, the treasure, buries it back, gets ready to go buy it, it says in verse 44 this here. Then, three important words, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. In his joy. Very rarely do we, even if it's something we really want, are we really excited to give away a lot of what we have earned, right? Again, we like to discount shop. And far too often in our worship, we don't give what is deserved because we've been burnt. We've been callous. I've paid more actual money or spiritual and mental equity to something that hasn't been worth it. Whether it's a, a middle school crush or a car that didn't last very long, like we have spent money on stuff that wasn't worth what we spent, right? And so what happens? Spiritually, we grow callous. We grow bitter. We've been burnt. And we say, is anything worth giving myself to? Doesn't that cost too much? Aren't I worth too much to give all of me to something? I think that's a fair question, but look how the two men answer it. To these guys, they were willing to sell it all and not just give it all away, but to give it all away joyful because what they had found was something worthy of all that they possessed. It was worth everything. And as true as that is on our story, what we receive from the kingdom of God makes this treasure and this pearl look like two pennies on the sidewalk. What we get in Jesus is eternal life. It is everlasting love. It is unconditional. It is when I'm on my, at my worst, God loves me and he cares for me and he, and he has died for me. He offers us grace and forgiveness. He offers us a future that is better. And in him, we find a treasure that is matchless. And so because of that, it deserves more than half my heart. Graduates of 2023, don't miss this. Living half-hearted is terminal. We can't survive living as half-hearted creatures. Pastor John Tyson talked about this a little bit, and it's been just bouncing around in my head and in my soul. He shares this story about a poet named David White. And David was working at a nonprofit at the time. There was always more to do, more to give, more to help with. And he just felt exhausted. Like, how can I ever do all that I'm supposed to do for this world and for God? And so he calls a friend and he says, hey, tell me how to fight exhaustion. How do I beat exhaustion? And he gave a, an answer that I, I, didn't, I hadn't thought of before. He said, the antidote to exhaustion is not just rest. I would say rest is definitely helpful, but it's not just rest. The antidote to exhaustion is wholeheartedness, is giving your whole self to something that is worth it, where you can find joy in it. That really impacted me. In fact, I thought about it, and I experienced that very thing this past week. I was in Asheville with Amy's family. My wife, uh, there was her mom, her brother and his wife and two nephews. I love them. They're so fun. And I found myself on the dock the first day with my nephews uh, on a dock that was adjacent to a little lake where we were staying in the rental home. They had grabbed like two young boys, grabbed two big sticks. They were not fishing poles, just sticks. And they proceeded for the next 45 minutes to be completely entertained, to throw their stick in the water and go, Uncle Tyler, did you see that fish? It was huge. There was no fish. Or, Uncle Tyler, did you see that fin over there? Or what, what could that have been? 
Or, Uncle Tyler, come look at this. Whack! I'm all wet. So, it was fun for like 45 seconds, but we were out there 45 minutes. But I thought about this, and I, and I caught myself. Because I wasn't thinking about them and loving them well and, and what God had for them. I was thinking about, I gotta preach on Sunday. <laughs> I was thinking about, have we fed Aubrey, or does she need to go down for a nap? I was thinking about, where are your parents at, and why am I parenting you right now? I was thinking about what we had to unpack, and I was thinking about this and that, and in that moment, I was living with half of my heart. Sad reality is my, my nephews aren't gonna remember a time with their half-hearted uncle sitting at the back of the deck, which is what happened. I was sitting in the back by the end of it, and I was like, oh yeah, I saw that, that was cool. Or, hey, can you go splash over there? But I guarantee, or I hope and pray that they remember when I came to my senses and the Lord convicted me, when I stepped forward and I was like, man, that was huge. Or what was that over there after I'd thrown a rock? Or, hey, I'll come right here. Who can splash me the worst? John Tyson says this as he finishes up this thought, and this is directed towards dads, but I think it's for grads, and I think it's for everybody in the room. Here's what he says about wholeheartedness. He says, women may keep their vows, but their dreams will die married to a half-hearted man. Children will stop running to the door for a half-hearted man. Sinners will turn around from the gospel of a half-hearted man. Coworkers will work around a half-hearted man, and history will bury in obscurity the lives of half-hearted men. So class of 2023, but, but everybody else in here, my nephews don't deserve a half-hearted uncle. They don't. But so, so, so much more than that, my Savior, who laid it all down for me, does not deserve a half-hearted son. With all that he has given for me, he deserves all of my worship. I can't wait to pay that in, for him because of what I receive in him. He keeps his promises. He knows our needs. He wholeheartedly loves us, and he sacrifices for us. But maybe you're sitting here, and you're like, Tyler, I would love to give my whole heart, but man, I am running on empty. I got nothing left. This is so hard, so exhausting. I don't know how to follow Jesus. Uh, I would give you some advice that Pastor Matthew Bradham gave to our students at Meadow Weekend in February. And he said, maybe your walk with Jesus is so hard right now because you're trying to do a full-time job working part-time hours. You're trying to do a full-time job working part-time hours. You've given God a sliver of your heart, but he deserves it all. And when we give it all, we can count it as joy. Man, I get to give this away because of what Jesus gave away for me. Jesus is worthy, worthy of our worship. He's worthy of all of our heart. And last, he's worthy of our future. He's worthy of our future. He's worthy because he has secured that future, our eternity, and offers it freely to us. These two men in the parable, they had found something that they were willing to, to stake their future upon. Imagine if that treasure had been fool's gold and they go get it appraised. Imagine if they had taken that pearl to be sold and it was a fake. Their whole future is toast. They had risked it all on this treasure. Grads, you can risk it all in Jesus. He is a treasure that never runs dry. He is a treasure that holds up his end of the bargain. He is a treasure that is immeasurable and changeless and matchless and priceless. He's not a gimmick and he's not a fake. And so when you go off to school, because this is gonna happen when you head to, to, to the armed forces or into the workforce, whatever it looks like, when you go there, you can ask questions. You can research. You can find out why you believe what you believe. You don't have to worry about, well, I don't want to dig too much into Jesus because I might find out he's a fake. You can dive all in to who he is, recognizing that he is the real deal. 
He's worthy of our future. And a story that reminds me of this um, that really impacted my college career was it's of two guys from Germany who also came to believe that Jesus was worthy of their worship. Their names were uh, Johann Leonard Dobert and David Nietzschemann. They had found Jesus. They realized he was worthy of their worship, but they didn't stop there. They also realized that Jesus was worthy to live on mission in their future They were told of an island in the West Indies that had thousands of slaves on a a huge plantation that had never heard the gospel. And they began to think through their future and how their future was given to them by Christ. Maybe it was also given for Christ. So they began to pray and wrestle and talk to, to some elders in their life and they came to the conclusion that they would sell themselves into slavery to go and witness to this island. They were told by their family and friends, whoa, 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 like Jesus is worth it, but like your future? Not just like a short-term thing, but all of it, is he worth, is he worth that? Their answer was yes. In the midst of hardship, they went to go get on the boat and they were told, hey, nobody's going to purchase you as slaves there. They're not gonna do that. That's gonna, that's too risky for them. And so they had to seek another way to go. They finally found passage to St. Thomas, where this plantation was. And and the story goes is as they got on the boat, stood on the bow as it's getting ready to depart, not knowing what their future held, but knowing that Jesus is worthy of their future. These are the words that the story goes that they said. They said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. What Jesus treasured, they were ready to run after because Jesus was their treasure. So they traveled for months. They finally landed. They lived in a, a little hut outside of this plantation. Nietzscheman would leave a few months earlier. He really went to support his friend. And Dobert would stay there for four years. And after four years, he would return to his, the church that sent him. And there were over 13,000 believers in the West Indy Islands, both directly and indirectly, because men and women like Dobert leveraged their future and said, this God, this is worth laying down and giving to you because you are better. You are worth all that I possess and you are worth all that I will possess. So today the question is, do you have that treasure? Do you have that pearl? Are you willing to pay the price to get it? What's beautiful is that price was paid by Jesus. But yet we get to lay down our very selves, not that that is worth the cost, but because we pledge allegiance to a true king. Is that worth it to you? Tim Keller preached on this in 94. I've been listening to him a lot since he's passed. And this is what he had to say about this passage. He said, this will cost you everything you have, but is it expensive? Is it costly? Not a bit. You give up nothing when you give up everything because in Jesus, you gain the whole world and more. So today, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if maybe you've seen the treasure in the field, but you haven't said, I'm selling everything for this, maybe this morning you would respond and ask God to forgive your sins, to say, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again, and and I'm laying it all down for him. Or for the rest of us, maybe we found that treasure or that pearl, but our worship's been distorted. We're worshiping at the discount store. Maybe you need to give God a little more of your hands. Maybe God is worth a little more of your heart or or a wholehearted worship. Or maybe he's calling you to leverage your future, not on what you can do, but on what he did and is doing. 
class of 2023, Jesus is worthy of our worship and we love that we get to commission and send you today. We do that because we think that Jesus is worthy of what's next for you. And so how this is gonna go is um, I'm gonna pray and close in just a second. Jess is gonna lead us in a song. You're welcome to stand and sing for that. I'm gonna come back out after two verses and we're gonna ask any of the seniors, they've been in all different services, but any of the seniors that are here to spread out across the front right here with your families. And our church family wants nothing more than to send you to pray for you in this moment, to pray for safety, security, clarity, next steps, to pray for parents in the midst of transition. We want to send you well today because Jesus is worthy of your next step. So let me pray. We're gonna sing. Feel free to stand after I pray. And then two verses in, I'll come back out and invite our grads and their families to stand in the front. Would you love you? God, we're so thankful that we serve a God that's worthy of our time, of our resources, and of our future. God, would you help us when we shop at the discount store of worship, when we don't wanna give you all that you are required? God, would we see that not as a have to, but a get to? Would we lay down stuff in joy, even today, even this morning, would we lay down some stuff that needs to be yours so that we can be yours? We love you, God. We're thankful for the class of 2023, how resilient they are, the giftedness that I see in them, that we see in them. And God, we're so excited to send them in just a moment. We love you, God. It's in your name that we pray.